Missouri had just started spring football when the COVID-19 coronavirus hit and things were shut down after three workouts. The situation is difficult for every college football program, but Mizzou got an extra dose of burden because they're breaking in a new coach and a new quarterback. It's Wednesday, April 15th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and on today's Sports Beat KC, Mizzou beat writer Soichi Tirada brings us up to date on the Tigers in football and men's basketball. We talk about the challenges faced by new coach Eli Drinkwitz, the recruiting week for Conzo Martin's basketball team, and the athletic department's finances if football is disrupted. So let's get started talking Mizzou with Suichi Tirada. Hey, Suichi, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Still cooped up in Como, but I'm assuming, or hopefully everyone else is cooped up too, so things are just kind of going by now. Cooped up in Como, I like that as a, <laughs> as a headline. Um, do, you, do you get out at all? What, uh, what are your, how far are you from your like local grocery store or pharmacy? Um, only like a couple of miles. I go to the local Walmart, so I, I try to get out and you know go for a walk. But it's, it's sometimes just easier to just you know be cooped up and just not do anything. So yeah, that's, I guess that's accountability or whatever we journalists <laughs> try to strive for. Right. We well, you say you're not doing anything. I know that's not true because <laughs> I've been. Uh, I've been reading many stories about the Tigers, but uh, there's one that I want to refer to that was written more than a month ago. And uh, in fact, it was posted on the Kansas City Stars website on March the 7th. And the headline is, Nothing's given, everything's earned. MU opens Drinkwitz era with spring practice. This was your preview of, of, of spring football at Missouri and this was posted within you know, a week of sports shutting down. I believe uh, March 12th, 11th and 12th will be the days that we'll remember of sports shutting down for the, for the pandemic. How many, how many workouts did Missouri actually get in? So they got three practices in. Um, unfortunately, I was actually not able to go to said third practice because of the SEC tournament, it, the, the way it timed out and the way it was scheduled, I was actually already in Nashville for that. Uh, a few other media members as well kind of missed it. Um, so yeah, they were only able to get in three. It's it's so weird to think everything was normal. Football practices were going on and all of a sudden it gets shut down. Actually, it's funny. Um, so sports, the SEC tournament was shut down in Nashville on that Thursday. Um, but now looking back, it's on March 12th and Mizzou was actually have uh, su- supposedly scheduled to have spring practice on that 13th on that Friday and so it was scheduled for 3.30 I was about 6-7 hours away in Nashville and I wanted to make that if they w- if it was going to happen it actually got moved up so I was still hustling but then I remember uh, an hour or two before it was supposed to happen the SEC shuts down all organized team activities including spring practices until tentatively was supposed to be April 15th today but then that got moved back even further. So here, here we are now into the unknown, and that's just kind of what happened with Mizzou football there. It was a very um, uncertain, kind of discombobulated few days just because nobody really knew what was going on from Mizzou to the SEC to really Jim Sterk and Drinkwitz and everyone involved. Yeah, look, it, it's we're in unprecedented times, and you're right, there was – there was a lot of confusion everywhere for for a few days, and it's taken us uh, the, the the evolution of this, uh, you know, um, you know, staying in, wearing masks, uh, social distancing, all of that. It's all 
you know, it's all been a process. And you know what? Something I remember in the early days, maybe within two weeks of um, of this, was was Coach Drinkwitz uh, putting out a public service announcement uh, about you know, social distancing, and he was one of the handful of coaches. I saw put out put out an announcement on on his Twitter account. Mm-hmm. I saw Nick Saban do it, uh, Ed Ogeron, uh, Tom Herman, and uh, Eli Drinkwitz, al- along with some other coaches. But I just thought, look, he was uh, it, it was a good positive message, and you know, for a uh, for a program where college football means so much, where football means so much to the to the, to the Tigers, who better to hear from than? than a college football coach, even, even when, you know, he's not very familiar to the fan base yet. Yeah. And <laughs> it was funny because I remember Drinkwitz tweeting about, I forgot which football coach it was, but he retweeted some tweet about how football coaches shouldn't, you know, be asked about the coronavirus, but that was before, you know, he, I think he realized that he does have this platform and he, and he mentioned this as well over a zoom call a couple of weeks ago with the media he has a lot of family members who are part of, you know, really on the front lines. And we talk about this a lot in media now, but, you know, the nurses, the, you know, the, the health officials, all those people who are involved with this. And he, he does have kind of this personal touch or say to this. And I think he realized that, hey, you know, one, I make $4 million as a Mizzou football coach, but I do have this platform as, as a coach, you know, to, to be able to tell people to stay indoors and, to kind of spread the good word. So I think he, he took advantage of that, which is good to see, especially um, when he realizes that kind of magnitude at such a young age. Absolutely. And look, he could have, if, if this had happened a year ago, he would have could have done the same thing at Appalachian state, but it's, you know, it's just a different level now where he is. It's a, you know, he's talking to a a lot more people. And uh, I I was, anyway, I was glad to see that. So, So you wrote a month ago, five weeks ago, uh, about what uh, what what you know, kind of what was on tap and what to look for and what the storylines were for Missouri going into spring football. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think any of that's really changed uh, because of getting in just the the couple of practices. Missouri, it turns out, is you know, I, I think as you as you size up Missouri football for twenty twenty and. Uh, and the SEC for next season. One thing I, I look at is programs with new coaches that also are going to have new quarterbacks. And Missouri's one of three in the conference that is falling into that position. No matter who ends up playing quarterback for Mizzou, it's going to be a new quarterback with, you know, with the Trevon Bryant on. And, <clears throat> and look, um, Mississippi state with Mike Leach, uh, also bringing in uh, a, a new quarterback and Arkansas uh, was with uh, Pittman, new coach there, also a new quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are uh, are going to go with transfer quarterbacks. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's well established at Mississippi State that KJ Costello, who played 29 games at Stanford, is going mm-hmm. to be the Bulldogs' quarterback, and then. Um, uh, and, and then, uh, of course, we know uh, at, at Arkansas where Felipe Franks transferred from Florida, and he's going to be the starter at Arkansas. And I think you wrote this, and I, and and, um, and and it looks, you know, it looked to be, you know, the the right the, the direction that Missouri was going to go. That Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer, 
was headed to be at least the the, the the guy to take first team reps in spring practice. I don't I don't know if we would have called him the starter, but he was certainly the guy that was going to take the first team reps, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think one of the more difficult things with that Mizzou's quarterback battle is just that you really do have two guys who are pretty different in terms of scheme and what they can do. And it, it is kind of similar to what Mizzou kind of dealt with last year. I mean, Kelly Bryant was – you know, he he wasn't necessarily a guy who you are calling design quarterback runs for consistently. I don't think we saw that out of him too much, but he, he could use his legs, and that, that was a big part of his offense. Um, and Taylor Powell, obviously, his backup last year, he he's more of a pocket passer, and you're kind of dealt the similar hand here just because Sean Robinson is a guy who can run. He, he showed that at TCU. He is more like a Kelly Bryant um, and he and he can run with the ball, and so and Drink was mentioned this as well. Um, based on the scheme and based on your starter, you you kind of go off of their strengths, right? You're not going to make you know a pocket passing style offense for Sean Robinson and vice versa with Taylor Powell. Um, so so there is kind of a struggle with there, and I think look, I mean <laughs> this it this is. This sucks for a lot of football programs around the country, but when you look at just the complexities of a completely new offense with Drinkwitz and just how different it's going to be compared to what it was under Derek Dooley last year, I think it's just double or triple, triply so, just horrible timing for Mizzou. And one thing that I personally found a little interesting, and I mentioned this in one of my leads the other day, it's just that Drink was mentioned the six day or six practice install for his offense in terms of the scheme. And he basically said, Hey, we'll go through this install process as much as we need. And so essentially they got through half of one install. They weren't even able to get through one full, you know, one full six practice session. So it, it's just another wrinkle to to show the kind of struggles that Mizzou and Drink was, are going to go through in both the short term and the long term, just because this is something they're going to be dealing with for at least the next few years, honestly, just with uh, instilling the culture and everything. Right. Hey, um, I want to thank you for correcting me on uh, on Kelly Bryant's name, <laughs> how soon we forget and how nicely you just dropped in Kelly Bryant after I called him Trevon Bryant. I don't know why I did that, um, but uh, nice, nice move on, on your part. Hey, um, so what did what did what did Appalachian State run last year? Heck, it's my alma mater. I should know, and I did watch their <laughs> Sun Belt Conference Championship game and their bowl victory. But is any clues watching App State uh, last season as to what might uh, see from Mizzou this year? I think one thing you take away from the Drinkwitz offense is is he's very reliant on the saying pro tempo style, and I. Pro tempo style. I don't think you really hear that too much, just because when you think of football, you think pro style, and you know you think the NFL or even in college, you're you're gonna you know the old things of establish a run. And we we heard that a lot last year, right, for Mizzou football's offense. But when you when you hear from Drinkwitz, he's talking a lot about, hey, we're gonna run pro style concepts with a lot of tempo, which isn't you know I mean we we see we see that a lot, but it seems like he's rely very reliant on these sayings and. One thing, too, that I kind of noticed from Drinkwitz and speaking to him last time, which was a couple weeks ago now already, um, he mentioned that at NC State when he was an offensive coordinator in 2018, he had more of a you know, pocket-style kind of guy. He plays for the Bengals now. I, I really should have his name in front of me, but I uh, can't get it off the top of my head. But he had more of a pro temp- or you know, this, this pocket-passer type of guy, like Taylor Powell. Um, 
like Taylor Powell now for Mizzou, whereas with Appalachian State last year, he had more of a Sean Robinson type where he can run a little bit. So it's just another kind of thing where, yeah, you can look at Appalachian State, you can look at NC State from the last couple few years, but at the end of the day, so much of his style and so much of what he does is relying on the quarterback. And concerning the fact that we don't know, he doesn't even know, who that's going to be, it, it, it's just another example where, hey, we, we really don't know what to expect from Drinkwitz and Mizzou so far. So it, it, I think it's a little fun just because I'm sure he's kind of sweating about it right now, but I, I'm sure he's, he's thinking of schemes or what, or what have you with all this downtime too. So maybe that's that's a little bit of a perk there. Yeah, Ryan Finley's the guy I think we were talking um, yes, talking about. Yes. Went, uh, quarterback at NC State who uh, went on to uh, play for the Bengals. What so what what can what can happen in terms of coaching and and working out with players in in this? What what are SEC bylaws allowing uh, from a you know from from a from a coaching standpoint? What how is there any way that coaches can work with these players? Uh, you know, virtually, or uh, how is that? How is that happening? If it's happening, yeah. So the SEC just actually announced the other day that. So originally, a few weeks ago, it was supposed to be two hours of remote coaching sessions online. So basically, you're able to, you know, Zoom or whatever app you want to use. You're able to. The coaches are able to contact players, kind of see how they're doing and everything. Um, and they kept tabs on them, but they weren't really allowed to coach them. So. Players are kind of, you know, they're either at Como, they're at home, they're wherever they may feel safe during this pandemic. But originally it was two hours. That got bumped up to four hours, and then, which started last Monday. So not, you know, two days ago Monday, but last week. So they have four hours of coaching, um, which is great, which is fine. I mean, it's not what you want, obviously, with all the spring football canceled. They're, and I kind of asked this to drink was because I was curious, like, what players are doing in terms of workouts and staying in shape. Technically speaking, coaches aren't allowed to ask players if they're even going through workouts through volunteer or suggest a workouts from the strength and conditioning coach, Zach Woodson. So it, it, it's, it, you know, we keep saying unprecedented times, but in this stage, in this position, like if you have maybe, you know, a young freshman, 18, 19 year old, they're not as disciplined as your juniors or seniors, and they're, they kind of get out of shape, you know, who it's, sure. it's just another thing where you're kind of like, Oh no, you know, we have to worry about this thing just because we can't keep tabs or technically keep tabs on these kids. So it's just another thing where you really do have to rely on your senior leaders or kind of your leaders in your positional groups. And right now, I mean, if starters aren't said, even those kind of things are not set in stone again. Okay. Hey, Switchy, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about some positions other than quarterback. Back in just a second. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. 
Suichi Tirada, who covers Mizzou for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com, is here. We're talking Mizzou football right now, and um, we have uh, we we just wrapped up talking about what Missouri might do at quarterback. There are some positions, some skill positions that uh, that look promising. Got running backs uh, looks like a, you know a position of strength for the Tigers. They did get a big transfer wide receiver. Um, there are some pieces on the offense that whoever ends up playing quarterback will. It's it's not a it's not a bare cupboard for the Tigers. Yeah, if we we're talking skill positions, I absolutely agree with you. Damon Hazelton, transfer out of the ACC. He was an All ACC player for Virginia Tech. Like he's he's looking like a guy you can really rely on on his one year here. And I think Drink Coach will have a lot of fun scheming him open and all those kinds of things. Um, and, and you mentioned running back, yeah, Tyler Bailey. Beatty and Larry Roundtree, both of those guys are, you know, they struggled the second half of the season just like the entire Mizzou offense did. But, you know, that's one of your captains there, Larry, and Beatty was probably your best wide receiver in some ways last year. So both those guys are great. On offense, though, the one thing, the one big question mark, though, and we, we have to talk about it, is the offensive line. And tight end, I think da- Daniel Parker Jr. kind of showed some things. Albert O, obviously, is uh, about to be drafted next week in the NFL draft, likely. So, But the offensive line, I mean, you grant one, they weren't that great last year. That's the thing. They were very, there were a lot of holes. And then you lose three guys when Trevor Wallace Tristan Colon Castillo, and Yasir Duran. And I mean, and really, so you bring back two guys who have experience. You have Larry Boren back. You have Case Cook back. Both those guys are solid in terms of experience. But at the same time, they weren't necessarily great when you, when you look back at the 2019 film either. And that that's the thing for me, too. Like, if you're going to run any kind of pro style or if you're going to run any type of offense, it really does start in the trenches, right? And just the question marks on that offensive line just make you go, you know, I, I'm not really sure w- what we have here, you know. And then I think when you're looking at an offensive line kind of positional group and you really think about those practices, those reps, that technical aspect of the offensive line is just so it's just so big and what, you know, it, the position is. And I think that, that really hurts Mizzou in the long run, just not being able to work with, you know, this, this new offensive line coach you get from Mississippi State. It's just it's 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 just another thing where you're like, oh no, this pandemic is really you know, it sucks once again, but not being able to work with your offensive line and you one you're probably your one big question mark on offense, besides quarterback, obviously. Like that that's that makes me nervous if I were a Mizzou fan. Yeah, and of course it's it's only the SEC, so uh, no no good defensive fronts uh, to contend with uh, for for an offensive line in this conference. Um, I say tongue in cheek. It's the one place. <laughs> it really is the one place that you 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 don't want to have question marks in this conference. It's um, it is unforgiving with um, with the defenses that, uh, that that are in this league for sure, and we'll. And we'll we'll get a verification of that, as you mentioned, next week during the NFL draft, when uh, when we see you know defensive star after defensive star from from Georgia and Alabama and LSU and Auburn, everybody uh, get drafted. It's it's um, it's just a phenomenal conference for for everything, but especially for for defense. And speaking of the NFL draft, I I was on a conference call 
earlier this week with Gil Brandt, who is extremely high on Albert O, said probably wow. more than than he should be, and wouldn't be surprised to see Albert O go in the second round. Oh wow! As as I'm rated as his th- number thirty nine overall prospect, and he look he he did qualify that by saying I, I probably have him as high as anybody, but he just when he sees him on film, he he um you know he saw a guy with terrific athleticism and you know understood the the quarterback situation last year for the Tigers and and I guess was more impressed when when Albert O was working with Drew Locke and so uh, it is something to keep an eye on next weekend when um, uh, when it's draft time but hey keeping with the 2020 edition of of the Tigers let's let's go over to defense look there there are some there are some losses here right Kale Garrett um, you know, and speaking of the NFL draft, um, uh, Jordan Elliott might sneak into the first round, might yeah, be a second yeah, day guy. Yeah. Um, so Demarcus Acey is another loss, but um, but there there again, there are some pieces here on the defensive side. Starting to me, starting with um, uh, Nick Bolton. Yeah, I mean, look when you're when you're speaking Mizzou defense 2020 edition, you're going to start and end with Nick Bolton, right? All American guy, all SEC guy. He he was just everywhere last year. I mean, I show up on the beat, you know, midway through the season, they start losing. No matter what they did, where they were at, Nick Bolton was, you know, Nick Bolton was there because he was that good. And I think you're hoping, now that he's a junior, he has a year of great football under his belt, you're hoping that he's one of the guys who's really going to take this defense defense in hand and kind of go from there and hope he can lead them. Um, but defense is kind of a different story because Drink was mentioned this too, uh, he, you know, you return seven starters. Ryan Walters is back. You run back the same scheme. Yeah, sure, you don't have Barry Odom, who, you know, he got fired. Yes, criticism, yes, but he is a defense first guy. He was, you know, he is touted for his defensive knowledge. So, yeah, you do a little, lose a little bit of that. And yeah, maybe Ryan Walters is a little young, is a little green, especially uh, as defense coordinator. But hey, you, you return a lot. On defense, and you, and you feel a little bit better. Um, maybe along that defensive line, especially on the ends, you're, you're you, it's a little bit more question mark. I mean, Jordan Elliott left, but hey, you still have Kobe Whiteside, who who did have a few good games, who is a pretty good guy and everything. Um, so once again, the trenches are looking a little iffy. You really want to find a guy on the on the defensive ends who will make an impact. Um, I think. You're feeling a little bit better, though, once you get to the linebackers. And, yeah, sure, you lose Kale Garrett, but in his stead, you find a guy like, you know, Devin Nicholson, who, another Detroit native, here we go again. <laughs> Me talking about you Michigan. Us, you flag him down, man. You, yeah, you know yeah. you, well, he they can't sneak a Detroit guy by you. For sure. <laughs> well, he was starting at, uh, at middle linebacker as a freshman, as a true freshman. So I was like, oh, i got to take note of that. And I did, and we spoke about it, of course. Um, but Devin Nicholson and those guys and those linebackers, you're feeling a little bit better about. In the secondary, though, I mean, it wasn't just AC you lost. You also lost Christian Holmes. And, you know, he had a rough Tennessee game where, uh, I can't say his name, Garen, Tennessee's quarterback, Jared Garantano, I don't know. Oh. Do you know Do you know how to say it, Blair? I, I will um, uh, – rev- review it quickly here and try to remind myself. <laughs> um but yeah he had a so christian holmes had a rough game against tennessee yeah sure but he was going to be likely a starter so that's another you know kind of an iffy mark and then you're going to play a 4-2-5 defense again so the defensive backs under ryan walters is going to be a big deal i mean you have three you know you have a lot of 
and you have quite a bit of coaching for the defense uh, right. in terms of, uh, you know, because Charlie Harbison, David Gibbs, and Ryan Walters are all really three guys, three coaches who are going to be coaching a secondary depending on the position. So you have a lot of uh, kind of resources there. So as a whole, I think you're feeling a lot better about the defense, but these the guys you do lose were so just so big to what Mizzou did. I think it, it makes you pause a little bit for sure. Let's uh, switch gears, switch sports actually, and talk a little men's basketball. Not a great week on the recruiting trail for the Tigers. Uh, missed out on a couple of recruits, I think, on the same day, didn't they, Suichi? Yes, technically the same day, uh, about 2 p.m. Eastern time for Justin Turner, who elected, not the baseball player, mind you, who elected <laughs> to stay at Bowling Green and spurn Iowa State, Marquette, and Mizzou all at the same time. And then Josh Christopher, the highly touted five-star guard who – Went on his big social media thing at 8.24 p.m. Pacific time, so 10.24 our time. He ended up choosing Arizona State. So Mizzou went 0 for 2 on Monday, which is rough. But that's where they stand right now. Well, and look, you, you hate to lose out on guys, and especially higher profile guys. But this is already a team that's returning, what, about 90% of its scoring from last year. There's a there's a pretty good feeling about how the Tigers will shape up and, and, um, uh, and, and they're not over and they're not finished with uh, the recruiting efforts. Yeah. So they have two scholarship spots still left open because Mario McKinney and Trey Jackson, another Detroit native, he is gone now. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was a great kid. Um, but you, you have those two spots open. You look at, it sounds, you know, based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like, Mizzou is still going after some guys. You're kind of retooling, recharging a little bit. You have another, Blair, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you have another Detroit native, David DeJulius. He's a Michigan transfer, so not not the Michigan State I gra- graduated from, but the Michigan, the Wolverines. He still has two years remaining. He's in the transfer portal. Mizzou is a finalist once again, along with Iowa State and Marquette again for some reason. And this time he has Cincinnati. So he is set, reportedly, to announce his decision tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central Time. So maybe Missy goes 0-3 this week, but they do have another crack at it. And luckily for them, there is another Detroit connection, Cornell Mann. And the reason there are so many Michigan connections is because Cornell Mann, he's from the Detroit area. Um, and we have spoken about this, but he's from the Detroit area, and he he is kind of the guy who kind of – gets all these Michigan folks and tries to get them to Mizzou. And it's sounding like the connection is working. It's just that Mizzou uh, is trying to, is obviously trying to be the one guy or the one school that they do commit to, but that's kind of where they stand right now. You know, if you haven't already, and as you become uh, grow more comfortable in the Missouri beat and in Como, uh, I would advise you to read up on the Missouri Tigers basketball team of the the nineteen the teams of the nineteen eighties into the early nineteen nineties and <laughs> the original Detroit connection for for the Tigers and what uh, what some of those players how how some of those players helped Missouri and Norm Stewart uh, build the program into uh, top ten and NCAA, regular NCAA tournament regular team and very much fueled by the Motor City. <laughs> I have a funny story about that actually. I remember at my interview with the star uh, the day when you're kind of 
jettison from place to place. And I spoke with you as well, Blair, but I remember dropping that Detroit connection to Vahe. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Norm had all those Detroit cats. And he kind of looked at me, and he, you know, kind of side-eyeing me as Vahe does sometimes. And he's like, I'm impressed you know that. And I'm like, thank you, Vahe. I did I did research <laughs> on the on the job I'm trying to get. So <laughs> Dude, well I, I do know a little bit. I, I won't say I know about it intimately as uh, Vahe or you might, Blair, but it was enough to get Vahe to be impressed. So I'll, t- I'll take my points there. Yeah, yeah. If you can, um, if you can impress Vahe, then you have you've scaled a you know a mountain. Really. <laughs> hey, let's talk about one other thing that you've written recently, and you cal- you collaborated really with some other McClatchy rep- reporters about finances in the SEC and what a what a future with a disrupted football season could look like financially for Missouri, and of course other SEC schools were were mentioned in the story as well, and we'll. We'll post a link to that story in the show notes for for this podcast. But what uh, what kind of conclusions did you draw from that? And and uh, one thing that I read, but I'll start it off. But one thing that I noticed was Missouri has operated in the red athletically for the last three years. Now, not by a lot, but you know, but not. Uh, uh, but the fact that they are in the red and not in the black was interesting to me. Yeah, and I mean. Like you mentioned, it, it wasn't a lot. And I think if Mizzou really wanted to become in the black, they could probably go some cost-cutting ways. And I think at that point, when you're talking millions and millions of dollars, I think there is a little bit of an accounting aspect to it. Um, and I'm not saying I know more than Jim Sterk about the finances, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it's not enough to the point where I think you're worrying. I mean, if you were $10 million in the right every year, I think you're kind of like, well, what's going on there? But between, you know, these projects and these donations, I think you are moving some funds around. And as we all know, especially with SEC teams, there is kind of a rainy day fund. I'm sure Mizzou will have to tap into these next few years uh, when it comes to the fund. But yeah, I mean, when you're speaking $1.8 million, you're operating that at a loss. And But realistically, the numbers are, you know, $108, $109 million in terms of revenue expenses. That is not as much as you'd you know, it is kind of a drop in the bucket, relatively speaking, uh, when you are when you're looking at these budgets. You know, one thing that everybody agrees on is, you know, uh, no football would be, you know, a, yeah. a major loss. And we we saw earlier this week that one school, Baylor, announced that it was cutting expenses at the university by I think it was the the number was sixty five to eighty million dollars through various uh, cuts in terms of salary and. In some positions, but also, you know, sports is not immune to that. And and look, I, I wouldn't be surprised, depending on what you know what gets determined about the future of football, if it's if it's going to be delayed, if it's going to be a spring sport, uh, possibly, if it's going to be, be if it's going to happen without fans in the stands, whatever the you know, whatever the uh, the result is, you know, we'll we'll see some. There'll have to be some austerity measures for you know for for colleges and universities and you know people like Jim Sterk, the athletic director there, and and ads all over the country are really really you know having to deal with a situation that nobody else in the history of you know of college sports has had to deal with. So I just we don't we we really don't know any answers except they um, they're working hard and preparing I guess for the worst. Yeah, and look, look, I, a lot of people who don't quite understand how college athletics works will see that Mizzou is in the red, and they'll be like, why are we fielding a football team? Why are we doing this? Blah, blah, blah. But look, 
football pays the bills and when dissecting Mizzou's financial numbers, it's, you know, so pulling from the story here, and I'm just going to read this verbatim from the story because I have it pulled up. If hypothetically there was no football and MU lost its profits from football, the school would go from a $1. million loss to operating at a $16 million loss, $16,407,588. And that's just, you know, that's just so much money. That's just, you know, that those are worlds different, like we mentioned. And football really does pay the bills. And the big thing, I think, is that we're talking, and Blair, when we talk about the NCAA tournament and not having that, and you, we so we also have the reports about how revenue is going down, that's going to hit you know these kind of G5 schools instead of Mizzou a lot harder just because, I mean, we saw Cincinnati discontinue its men's soccer program in the last few days, and I wouldn't be shocked if the smaller schools have to kind of deal with that financial burden. Luckily, Mizzou, I'm, you know, Mizzou and comparing Cincinnati's budget is kind of different just because of SEC revenues and all these kind of things. But, yeah, I mean, Mizzou isn't immune to it, but it does help that they are, you know, the show, you know, the show me school or whatever, the, the, the university for the state, which, you know, Mizzou takes a lot of pride in. But, yeah, I mean, if football is not played, then all bets are off in terms of the fiscal year. Just because, yeah, you're for not, sure. yeah, you're not getting as many donations. You're not, you, so, you know, the media rights. And sure, you might not, you know, you might not uh, cure some expenses through travel and all that, but just the the financial ramifications, I don't even want to think about it just because the financial ramifications would have such a widespread effect. And it, it wouldn't be just Mizzou, you know, it would be pretty much every college in the country. And that's, that's kind of a scary thing to think about as a sports, you know, as a sports journalist trying to cover these teams and everything. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, we've, um, uh, it's uh, monitoring social media throughout this and, it, it, I find that you know people are you know understandably concerned and uh, wary. Uh, they want to know when baseball is coming back and what's going to happen with the NFL. But then I read college football fans, especially SEC football fans, say <laughs> you know, basically it's the end of the world if there's no college football season. You know they could live without the NFL. They can live without Major League Baseball, without golf, but. Uh, but man, you take away their, you know, their, you take away their Saturday afternoons in the South, and uh, um, and that's, you know, now we've reached a level of, um, you know, <laughs> what do we, you know, kind of what are we doing? Is this really worth it? And uh, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, it's a little bit of hyperbole, but but not by much. I mean, that's how important college football is just to the psyche of that region, and um, and we know how important it is financially to you know, to all the schools in, in the SEC. That's why Missouri is in the SEC for financial reasons. That's why realignment happened a decade or so ago because people or, or schools put themselves in better financial situations. So, wow. All right. It's already, it's already yeah. been a decade, huh? In terms of realignment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Might be worth, uh, clo- we're closing in on it. Um, clo- closing in on it. So, all right, Suichi, great catching up with you and uh, you stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon. Yep, sounds good, Blair. Thanks. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the production team of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Cap tip goes to Suichi Tirada for spending some time with us. Hey, been telling you this for a couple weeks now, and I'll say it again. Supporting local journalism has never been more important. I mentioned the Sports Pass offer earlier in the show, and that's a great deal. 
so is subscribing to the full menu of Kansas City Star news and sports offerings. To learn more about this, go to account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.